0: Well, I want to kick this one off. If you guys were here last year, Kevin was here talking about sales. And the reason why I wanted to bring him back is because he's actually, since then, been working with a lot of different print shops to actually help either start or grow their sales process into a really good, repeatable process. Now, Kevin Baumgart runs... Sales at a tech company, a really high growth tech company called Hyrology here in Chicago. So he has a really big breadth of experience and he was doing sales for quite a while. And not just that, he's extremely passionate about it. So I wanted to bring him back to talk a little bit more about how to create your own sales machine. Everybody, Kevin Butt, welcome back. I'm excited to be here. Um, one mistake that I realized I made this morning was wardrobe choice. <laughs> uh, score code or a t-shirt, I chose <laughs> code, which is not the a right, right choice. Uh, as Bruce mentioned, I've, I've had a, a really, really fun experience over the last year working with a, with a few shops. It's fun to see some familiar faces in the crowd. And I've learned a lot, and it's it's been energeting and exciting, energetic and exciting for me to work in this business, work with entrepreneurs, and, and get to see the inside of, of your all's business. When I first talk to a shop owner, I'll typically ask them, think about sales and the strategies for selling and growing your business. Like, what, what does that look like right now? What is, what is, what's top of mind? Or talk to me about your sales organization right now. This is what I typically hear. I run the business, but I'm also the main salesperson. We have zero formal structure when it comes to sales. I become good at selling because I, I have to. it's my business, I have to sell it. Selling is not the strongest part of our business. We can definitely improve on it. And ultimately, I'd hire more salespeople now if I could. Show of hands, this is this resonating with you all? Do you agree that, that this is the approach? And it's funny, Lucas just mentioned a lot of us probably started selling band merch and creating merchandise for our band in our basements, not growing from a sales organization or getting trained or educated in the sales process. So it's kind of an afterthought, but it's an important part of the business that we really have to focus on. My goal of our time together today is that I provide you with some key strategies some thoughts and ideas and tactics that you can pretty easily take away and implement back at your shop. What we're gonna talk about is not necessarily groundbreaking or rocket science, it's just strategies to put a little bit more more time and focus and effort and energy into improving what sales means for your organizations. So specifically, we're gonna touch on sales process. Um, I found that very few shops have any structure, organization or framework for how they they sell and and breaking down specific stages of the sales process and what that means. We're then gonna talk about scripting, so how can we put structured messaging and talk tracks and the right language into these phases of the the sales process. We'll also talk about sales hiring. Is anyone currently hiring salespeople right now? Let's say a great salesperson walked up to you, would you hire him if if you found that great person? Most, Most of us would, right? If we can find a great salesperson, which is not easy today, we would. So we'll talk about some strategies to get more and better salespeople in the door. Uh, We're then going to talk about compensation. Um, Sales commission, sales comp is always pretty challenging. So for the current salespeople on your team, how can we get them and incentivize them to sell more? Or if we're hiring new people, how do we structure that comp? And we'll close on measurement. So what specific KPIs and and measurements should we be looking at? Within our sales organization, how can we make sure that It's focused on on data and KPIs, and then we're really diving into measuring outcomes and uh, and effort. All right, so let's kick it off with sales process. Essentially, any part of our business, if we put more organization and structure and framework into it, the better the outcomes are going to be. I mean, think about the production side of your business. It's incredibly process-driven. However, when I talk to most shop owners, the the sales process really isn't, isn't there. It's non-existent. There's not a structured approach to sell. I spent two years at a a sales consultancy helping to go into businesses and develop sales process and then train their sales team members and sales managers on following that approach. And I can can tell you firsthand the impact is immense. Even with incredibly large organizations and small, developing a framework and a a best practice approach to how you sell can make a really big difference. Essentially the goal of this and the outcome is to create a more predictable revenue stream We want to have a defined approach to get a, More deals and the deals that we want to get in the door one of the main benefits is Strategizing not only current opportunities that we're looking at now, but why we won or lost opportunities in, in, the, in the past What did we do wrong in the process that, that brought us off track that made us not win that opportunity? Or what did we do right? Why did we win? So when you have a sales process defined and you have it there, analyzing deal strategy and win-loss analysis gets so much easier when you have that framework in place. And then also, onboarding and training new employees, it gets, it's so much easier when you give them a playbook when they start. Here's the process that we follow for selling effectively in our business, here's what it looks like, now, now take it and run with it. So my recommendation here, if you want to build and define and develop a sales process for your organization, is just sit down and and put time into putting pen to paper and laying out what that process looks like. So think about your successful interactions and when and why you closed business. What were the steps that you went through? What happened? What did you do well? Where where could you maybe improve upon and and develop that and, and dial that in? That's really the only way to do this is just to sit down and put time into defining what your sales process looks like. Here's an example with the, shop, the work that I've been doing with shops on the typical stages of, of how this shakes out. There's almost always a first stage around like prospecting or lead generation or, or outreach appointment setting where we figure out who are the leads we want to reach out to, what types of organizations, let's create that list and then let's have that outreach. I know a lot of us right now are, are focused on inbound. There's a lot of opportunity, I think Lucas mentioned this, it's hard to pick up the phone and call someone and say hey I'm with this shop, I wanna sell you stuff. But that's an opportunity that we can all take to to grow and and push on. So we typically see that first stage being outreach or prospecting. Followed by needs analysis or a discovery, we want to understand the customer's needs and how we can help them specifically, it's an incredibly important step. Followed by then quoting the job or presenting our solutions, presenting our value, presenting our differentiation, uh, followed by closing the opportunity and then managing the ongoing relationship. So there's two pieces here. Selling is not just opening the door and creating a new opportunity, but then it's once we have that customer, incredibly important that we're upselling, cross-selling, managing that relationship to get the most out of it. So my recommendation here again, think about your typical stages and the parts of the process that you run today. If you start to bucket this out into stages, it gets a lot easier and then you can dive into tasks and activities and best practices under each of those stages. Uh, Mike Chong was nice enough uh, from Merch Monster to allow us to look into one of his <coughs> stages to give you an idea of how those break out. This is Mike's discovery stage or, or needs analysis. Once we've made contact and we, we have that initial interaction, how can we really understand what they're looking for? So he has what he calls sales development representatives, an SDR that goes out to warm up opportunities, qualify opportunities, and set meetings. So they own this part of the stage, and there's a, a customer expectation component of this. By the way, I'm gonna give this, a copy of this deck to Bruce to Good. send you all so you don't have to write really fast or take pictures. So, <laughs> uh, what, what does the customer expect in this part of the process? It's important that we're thinking about what they expect and what they wanna get out of it, as well as what is our goal. What's the outcome that we wanna see in this specific stage, so we're defining that. And then, what are the tasks and activities that make this part of the process successful? What do we need to make sure that we do and follow so that we know we get the information we need and we understand their their overall needs? So part of his tasks and activities is prepping for the call, making contact, opening the, the discovery, and then running through some call strategies. Also, we should think about in this stage, what are the best practices? What do we want to make sure that we follow? What do we know gets us to closing more opportunities and be conscious of that in the sales process and then also, what do we want to steer clear from? What are the pitfalls in this part, part of our sales process? So this is really, it. again, pretty easy from a, a context perspective. We dive in, we think about what we're doing today, what works, what doesn't, and, and define and dial in this, this process. Again, I'm confident that the outcome, if you, if you put this together and put the time into creating this, the outcome is, is more closed, one opportunities, more revenue for your business. Any questions on the sales process piece? All right, let's go to scripting then. This goes hand in hand with with sales process. Once we've defined the steps and the stages and what what it means to have a successful sales interaction, we want to define and dial in what's the exact messaging and the talk tracks and and the communication that we have in, in each of those stages. What we found is that if If we're structuring that messaging, what our team members or what we, as salespeople, say to our customers, it's gonna give them a way more consistent experience. And and our our salespeople are providing the same consistent experience that we provide. Uh, Ensuring that we get all the information that we need is an important step of this. If we're asking the right questions, we're getting the right information to finalize the quote, to get that information to production, the better we do at that discovery part of the sales process and the more defined questions we ask, the better information we're going to get on the back end. Ultimately, what we're looking at here is increasing win rates. If we can have consistent language that we know works, the messaging that we know hits home, the better opportunity we're going to have to to close this business. So here's some examples of sample sales scripts that I've, I've done in print shops. Most often is like the inbound lead. So you get a lead from marketing, social media, wherever your leads are coming from how is that lead interacted with what do we say what questions do we ask how do we communicate with that that individual lead the important part here is a lot of us i I know we're just doing this electronically they fill in and submit a a web form or they send us an email my recommendation is like there's a lot that you can gain from having that phone conversation and getting them live on the phone talking to them about their project understanding what's really important to them in that job So, if if you're doing that solely online, I'd recommend just trying, having a conversation, scripted conversation, not just an off the cuff, let's chat. Let's really dial in and define what that conversation looks like and what success looks like in that dialogue. Uh, We also then see cold and warm outreach. So, if I am calling cold into an organization, let's have a defined pitch, script, messaging, what do we say? Same thing with warm outreach. If we're calling current customers, People that have done business with us in the past. What, how, how is that conversation structured, and what does that sound like? And then finally, this whole process of discovery and presentation, the needs analysis, asking questions, and then presenting not only the, the quote and the project that we can do, but our overall capabilities and, and how we can help. Yeah. With
1: about marketing, taking
0: so much of a horizon, industries, the yeah. to like most market companies are towards the inbound. Right. Yeah, so so I see a lot of companies, specifically in this industry, focusing on that digital side of the business, inbound digital leads. My experience is partnering that with uh, a structured outbound inside sales operation. If, if it's dialed and defined, can add a ton of value to your business and really drive growth. There's not many companies that can do both well but companies that do are, are increasing revenue and really, really driving business. But, but think about it, it's not easy, right? Picking up the phone, calling someone cold and asking them for an opportunity to earn their business, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's monotonous, you're at you're the same talk track, it's full of rejection, right? So Mike and I have been working on this, hiring salespeople that are willing to hear no all day, every day, and say the same thing all day, every day, it, you gotta find the right person that wants to get into the business, learn the business. What's that? I said it used to be a stop rope know, call, phone calls
1: a day asking people... It's, to it's, cr- it's crazy, so when, when, I, when I... But they have to remember they spoke to you last week. <laughs> yeah, right, right,
0: right. When I, when I started uh, building the sales organization at Hireology, I was requiring our representatives to make 100 cold calls and send 20 targeted emails every day. It's like, think about that. That's 500 calls a week. That is a shit ton of rejection. It's a hard job. It's a really, really hard job. You've got to find the right person to do it, or we have to take that on ourselves, but... Point being, a combination of that inbound marketing focus with an outbound sales focus can really impact overall revenue and opportunities. So same thing with sales process. A lot of this is is simply dialing in and defining what is working today. What scripting, what messaging, what language, what talk tracks resonate with our customers today? What have we used in the past that have worked well? And, And putting that down on paper because then when we're hiring new people onboarding new individuals, it gets that much easier to train them and allow them to have this consistent language. Um, I want to give you an example of an inbound lead script that we worked on with Stephen at Campus Inc. Uh, what's the role, Stephen, the title of this person? Uh, is this inside or outside? Inside, Customers. Customer, success like a customer success manager, customer support, account manager. Essentially, this person in Stephen's organization is taking the inbound calls or inbound leads and presenting and defining, understanding what they need and then running the quoting process. So here's an example of of what that script looked like. She was kind of off the cuff at first and now we defined her language. Starts with an opening, thanks for reaching out to us, Uh, happy to help you. I wanna first ask you some questions, so she's setting an agenda. I wanna ask you some questions to better understand your job so that we can provide a quote and a timeline, does that sound okay to you? So you're asking and, and our best practice here was even if the lead came in inbound, or if it was emailed pick up the phone give them a call run through this with them over the phone try to build start to build that relationship and and uh, make, make an impact um, so then into the questioning and discovery right away just asking first have they ordered from us before understanding if its current customer or new and then I think the most important question that we defined out of this was what's most important to you for this order so before getting into any specific questions on quantity sizes colors all that stuff that really doesn't it matters but it doesn't matter what's most important for them why are they gonna buy from you and asking it in this way and then shutting up is the right approach just (coughs) ask the question what's most important for you in this order you will hear right cost you know turnaround time quality whatever is most important for them but I think that information is incredibly critical for you to quote the project accurately right we want to quote it right and if we don't have that information it's going to be really difficult for us so what's most important to you for this order? And then from there, diving into the, the project specific questions that we all need to ask. Then uh, finally asking them, let's, let's uncover future opportunities. What else are you going to be doing? Is there any other, is this a reorder? Is there any other opportunities uh, for printing, promotional embroidery, screen printing, whatever? And then uh, Steven wanted to dive into the promotional side as much as possible. So asking that specific question as well. And then finally closing our next steps. Okay, I think I have everything that I need. Thanks for filling me in. This is exactly what I was looking for. Do you have any questions for me? Probably not gonna get any, but then we also put in a value statement at the end. So saying, you know, I just wanted to share briefly that we've been serving the the Champaign-Urbana community since 1947. We provide ourselves on quality work with a quick turnaround at a fair price. And I'm sure you'll see that in the quote that we provide. I'm hoping that I can get this out to you by the end of the day today. Is that okay with you? Checking in and confirming timeframe, et cetera. So again, just one example. Now this customer support or customer success manager on Steven's team has the defined language. She starts using this, after two weeks it becomes second nature. She doesn't need to read off a script. The first couple of times it sounds a little shaky, right, because it's new, it's new language. But once they start using this, it becomes ingrained in their, their daily speak and again can provide a big impact. My opinion is once you create this script, it's probably you creating your language. Your individual team members are probably gonna tweak this a little bit. This language might not sound like them, 100%, so they might need to tweak that a little bit. But the goal isn't ongoing to read off a script every single time. It's just to get get more consistent communication and get the right points across. Yeah? If you have the right personality in place, they're gonna take that structure and make it their own. For sure, Yeah. for sure. I okay. Let's talk about sales hiring. So I know it's difficult and it's challenging right now, especially in the employment environment the way it is. There's some things that, that we can change, and as I've talked to Print Shops, it, it sounds like we're, we're not doing everything we can to recruit um, in the right way, especially with the job market the way it is today. So we're gonna talk for a couple minutes about sourcing, like how to get more, if we're looking for salespeople and looking to hire folks, how do we get more leads in the door, more applicants in the door? We'll talk about branding, so how can we brand our shops as great places to work and create this brand and this message around why it's great and why we're a great employer. Uh, We're gonna talk about how to utilize job descriptions as really marketing documents to get more people to apply. And then we'll talk a little bit about um, the interview process and how once we get better people in the door, how can we make sure that, that we're interviewing them in the right way. Starting with sourcing. So we're finding that just posting to job boards is not enough, it doesn't work. Unless you're posting to multiple or all the job boards. So is anyone using Indeed for, for job posts? They're the largest job board aggregator in the US by far. The days of CareerBuilder and Monster in my opinion are, are gone. It's, it's the aggregators. It's ZipRecruiter, it's LinkedIn, it's Indeed, it's Glassdoor. We have to build relationships with and focus on utilizing multiple tools and then essentially we need to start thinking about marketing our jobs like we market our services. It's the same thing same people that we're selling to are the same people that we want to hire, and we need to take what we've learned in the digital <laughs> marketing side of our business, which we're all really good at, and now dump that into the job seeker side and sell the opportunities to, to, to bring them on. We, and Using social is a great, great way to do this. My recommendation would be in your market, go to Google and type in sales jobs near me, or sales jobs Chicago, Illinois, and look at what shows up in search results. What shows up in search results is where you should be posting your jobs. You're gonna find Indeed is at the top of that list for sure, but then you're also gonna find other job boards that you maybe didn't think about that your job seekers are gonna hit. And then what you'll also find is on the top of search results in Google, there's a little, when you search for jobs, there's a little box that pops up, it's Google Jobs. So Google's taking over that top real estate just like they have in flights and hotels and all the other business that they're taking over all over the world. Now it's not enough to just post a job boards now We have to get integrated into the top portion of Google, so we have to figure out how to play Google's game Which again we've all done already? Uh, We're finding more and more that Top quality candidates are vetting employers way less than we are vetting the right people to work for our business It's 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 turned around. It's the opposite way So if you don't have a Glassdoor profile if you don't have a site on Glassdoor right now create one um, it's by far the largest employer review site, and having one is not enough. We have to get our current employees incentivized to write reviews. So you know, buy lunch, do something to get people to write reviews on why why you're a great employer and why people should want to work with you. Again, people are doing this research now today. Then once you've done all this work to source and get more people to apply, to get more eyes on your job opportunities, we have to brand. shops as great places to work and this this concept of career branding I haven't seen in, in very many shops essentially it's the career section of your shops website if you don't have one I'd highly recommend you create one underneath info or about us or whatever like career section and it's selling and the sounding board for what what it's like to work for you and why people should work for you so all of all the content underneath that should be all around what's in it for the candidate Why should they want to apply? What's in it for them? What's the opportunity like? It should sell you as a business. It should sell the benefits you provide. It should sell the growth opportunities and the the opportunity that you're providing to them. Absolutely needs to be mobile friendly. We're finding about 70% of job applications start and end on a mobile device. So if they can't apply really easily on a mobile device, you're missing the boat. And a job application doesn't need to be them recreating their resume. A job application should be first name, last name, email, phone. You're gonna get a resume, you're gonna get all that information, just it's a lead form. It's four fields. It needs to be really, really easy to, to apply. And then obviously it has to be marketed. So it can't just be a site and a landing page. It has to link to your social media posts. It has to link on your Glassdoor profile. It has to link on all your job board postings. If you're posting on Indeed, I would put click here to learn more about this opportunity and working for our shop and push them directly over to your career branded website. Here's some work that, that I did with, uh, with Mike at Merch Monster. So join one of the fastest growing promotional products companies in the US. When you click on about and then careers, this is what shows up. Looks like it's a fun organization to work with, good people, right away it's selling the opportunity. Uh, it Talks about who they are as a business, as a brand, why should they want to work there? His message was instead of us telling you why it's great to work for us, hear from what our customers say about why they do business with us. And then he's also listing out benefits. So, you know, most of the typical job seeking population really doesn't have a full understanding on on the benefits that our business provides. We should be be pushing that in in the career branded site. And then we should list out the specific jobs that we're hiring for. And in the job descriptions, we need to market and sell the opportunity. So sell the, the opportunity, sell the company, sell the benefits. We also want qualified people to apply, so responsibilities and qualifications are important. But I would bet that if I looked at everyone's job descriptions if you're hiring in this room, 95% or more would just be bullet four. My recommendation is that 75% of your job description should be bullets one through three. Bottom 25% should be bullet four. So here's one of Mike's job descriptions for that inside sales development representative he's hiring for. So he talks about their, their business as a whole, what's in it for them, like why should they want to work here, Role-specific benefits, so for this role, here's what you're gonna get out of it. Uh, Benefits of working at their organization. You know, he's in the Bay Area. Easy parking is important for people. That's a a selling point. So this doesn't have to be benefits like medical, dental, 401K. Think about all the overarching benefits for your business. Why the the, uh, sales development representative role is critical to the organization. So you're selling this person on the importance of this role and what it means to that business overall. And then finally, responsibilities and qualifications at the bottom. It's an easy change that you can make, and I guarantee you, you will get way more applicants if you, if you work on the, the sourcing side and improve how you source, have that career branded website, and then sell your job in this way, night and day the amount, quantity, and quality of applicants that you'll get. Yeah, find value in talking to your veteran employees, seeing through their eyes. What are the benefits of working for me? That's that's a great point. So I think a great part of the career branded website that we could add is employee testimonials. Why do you like working for us? Take those blurbs, take those quotes, dump it on your site. And I think that feedback that you get from your current employees should help you easily, more easily populate this this job description as well. And then once we get better people in the door, uh, better applicants in the door, the interview process is is incredibly critical. I haven't really talked to any shops that have a structured, methodical approach for interviewing. It's kind of off the cuff, which I used to do that in businesses before, too. I'd, I'd hire people that I liked, or people that were like me, or people that I'd have a beer with, and then three months later, I'd be surprised that they didn't work out. It's like, now I realize that I really need to focus on Hiring people that have the behaviors and the competencies needed for success in this specific job, yeah, I need to like them and they need to fit in our culture, but it's important that they first and foremost have the behaviors needed, needed for the role. So my recommendation here is, is really think about and script out the conversations that you have with your potential new hires. And, and, and Have same thing as a sales script, have a guide to follow and the questions that you need to ask, which really is the only legally compliant way to run an interview process anyways is to ask every candidate the same questions. Uh, but my recommendation on interviews, I typically see three: an initial phone interview and then either two in-person interviews, a resume review, and a behavioral interview, either done in one sitting depending on time frame, or maybe two different visits to your shop. That phone interview, really high level, five minutes, ten minutes at the most, Just asking them about why they want to work there, what they've done in the past that they think links to them being successful in this role. Just a quick conversation, and if the conversation does go well, leave yourself a couple minutes to sell the opportunity. Again, we're always selling in this process. What that phone interview alleviates is the situation that I know we've all been in, where we sit down face to face with someone for an interview, and we realize two minutes in that there is no way this person is ever going to work for me. And then we have to spend 20 to 30 minutes with them just to not look like a jerk instead of kicking them out after two minutes so if you do that phone interview if you don't do it now I'd highly recommend it if you do a quick five-minute phone interview you can learn a lot about someone in a really short period of time and save your, your time on the back end the resume review style interview is just that it's let's go through your resume but dive deep into their specific roles that they had you know what were you accountable for how was performance measured you know, what is your manager or supervisor gonna say you are really good at? What are they gonna say you could improve upon? We're really trying to understand what they did in past roles. And then the behavioral-based interview or situational-based interview is, in my opinion, the most important one. So you can take two questions. Give me an example of, and tell me a time when. So give me an example of, or tell me a time when, and plug any behavior that you know is needed for success in that job. So think about salespeople, uh, empathy right or motivation or determination and then plug those into those statements. Give me an example of a time when empathy was really critical for you to succeed and close an opportunity or tell me a time when motivation um, or determination helped you be successful and achieve a goal that you had. But the important part about those questions is after. So they're gonna give you this this high level lofty response. Your follow-up is always why was that? Tell me more. What happened? What would have happened if you didn't have empathy? How did your determination and intrinsic motivation play into that? You know, really, really diving into getting more out of that answer, because ultimately what we want to do here is understand how they reacted in certain situations in the past, because we know that they're gonna react in a similar situation when they're on our team. And then if you put some scoring behind it, it makes it much easier to discern between candidates and the the impact that they'll make, again, versus just off-the-cuff gut feel. I like Jim, he interviewed well, let's hire him. Now it's Jim had the best, beat, best scores, and the scoring can be as simple as for each answer, each question that you ask in an interview, one to four, one being poor, four being excellent, everywhere in between, put a, put a score behind each question that you ask, mm-hmm. a little bit more systematized. Any questions on the sales hiring piece? Yeah. People that are in sales can sometimes be really good at, uh, let's just say BS. Even, medi- <laughs> Even mediocre salespeople are really good at selling themselves, it's so a good point. Uh, really good interview, uh, terrible employee, any tips, tricks to snip those guys out? Yeah, that's tough. If you follow this process and specifically on the behavioral piece, um, I think that helps. I would, um, in California you can't, but I would ask for like last few years of W-2s to try to see, you know, are, if they're a good salesperson, they're not going to go back. Otherwise they're gonna leave. So good salespeople, you'll see consistent increase in W-2s. You have to check references for salespeople, which is hard right now, right? You can't just pick up the phone and get good feedback from past managers and supervisors because there's a lot of legality around it. However, there's online tools that help circumvent all that stuff. If you Google online reference checks, you'll find a ton of resources that will really help um, help to, to dig into that. But you have to you have to figure out what were they accountable for? How was performance measured? Where did they rank on the team? And then get that information verified through through a reference check. Please. Is it really
1: legal stuff or is it perceived legal stuff? I mean, I just tell the truth when people call and ask. As long
0: you're
1: not lying, you in really trouble. I'm, <laughs> I'm not an employment
0: attorney, but I would. What I've been told is that you can only say that this person worked here from this day to this day. I, I would maybe consult an employment attorney about that, I don't, I don't know the legality behind it. I, I would be a little bit careful though, because the last thing that you want to do is have that person sue you for slander or you know something. Yeah please
1: would you hire this person again? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That too. Would you if you were available, would you hire this person again?
1: That one's a trigger. I've used that one before. Thank you for Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you'll know if there's hesitation or if there's oh, right away yeah. If if they're willing to answer it, you know, sorry, I, I'm yeah. only gonna tell you when they worked here, work here. Yeah, right. That's it All right Compensation so I know this is a, a challenging piece and this is not just for bringing on new people into the organization new salespeople And how to how to pay and comp them But it's also our current team members too. how can we maybe better incentivize or motivate them to drive business and opportunity for us What we're finding is that if you analyze what's best for your business and best for the individual employee, the more analysis we do and make sure that we're right on both ends, the better off we're gonna be. If we focus on the specific behaviors that we want to incentivize, this all falls into place much better. And in my opinion, it's much easier if we start with the end in mind. Meaning, what is that individual's uh, compensation expectations? Where do they want to be at? And where, where can we afford to pay as an organization? if we can meet on that number, then back into the amount of salary and the amount of variable or commission-based pay uh, to get to. And in my opinion here through all this, especially when it has to do with people's pay, communication of this plan is incredibly important. We have to communicate why we're making changes if we are, what the outcome of those changes we're hoping to, to have uh, we're gonna communicate before we put it in play, after we put it in play, check in often. This is an, an important and touchy subject that we, we need to make sure that, that we're spending a lot of time and effort, effort on focusing on. Uh, here's some work that we did with, uh, with Lucas and Joe at Rowboat on uh, an account executive comp plan. So essentially their goal was to have one, organization, one person in their organization that said they wanted to earn more, that was willing to go out and knock on doors and try to drum up business for them, So we structured this comp plan again looking at total comp. Where did this person need to be? What did they want to end at? And and was that on pace with what we could provide? So then we got that number down and then we backed into, all right, what combination of salary and variable pay should we be looking at? And the two components of variable pay that we landed on was (laughs) off of order margin. And we were giving that that salesperson on new opportunities so that new, new logos, new businesses that have never done business with us, we're gonna give them 20% order margin on those deals for the first opportunity and for the first year of them ordering from us. Current customers or inbound leads that they were, they were handed, they're getting 2%. So 20% of order margin to 2% of order margin. So now this person has that intrinsic motivation. If they wanna earn more, they are gonna go out, knock on doors, drive more business, and focus on that. piece. Can you define what order margin is? Yeah, so if you sell an order and you've got 40% margins on that order It's a percent of, of what what that is Lucas do you want to maybe default on that? I probably didn't do the best job explaining that I mean we've been trying to figure out like what is that
1: actual sweet spot because there's a lot of ambiguity of like <laughs> If we're separating out actual cost of garment if that we're to, to break it into we have too many buckets where we're trying to separate out, here's ink costs, here's just overhead costs, here's cost of garments and everything too, as opposed to then just breaking out, here's a flat rate of the entire deal. So it's been kind of tough to figure out
0: that. And maybe it's not order margin, maybe it's order revenue. It's a smaller percentage of the total job instead of just margins or the, the profit that we're making on that.
1: I think that might be a better one because I've really looked at this. I've definitely went inside of my, my people. Um, the only issue I see with the margins is now they start. are coming back to their question:
0: How much are you really making off of this? What mm-hmm. issue you got invested in Now it's a heck of a lot more detail. Well, the more that they they're making, the more that they're making the on it. The more that that they're getting. You know, the higher the margins, they're getting 20% of it. Let's increase those margins. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. all on the same team, yeah. kind of on that point. So, what system or what program are you guys using to uh, keep up the analytics? this has been a year account. This has been a brand new account at the end of the day how do you keep up with you know if he's getting 20% for one year I mean what program or yeah how are you tracking that because gonna tracking,
1: your, um, so we're not unfortunately in print <laughs> 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 but uh, like our internal platform we hey, can't really it's tough because it becomes a lot of extra work. And then it's that, like, we try to work through that too. Like, what makes sense for us? They have to go, you know, monthly and break out like, here's the sales, here's your commission, having full transparency of that. So they see that, we see that. So there's, I, we don't have a specific program. I mean, our internal, like, CRM will do that too, but like, we're still trying to figure out that. So to
0: add to that, Bruce, are y'all going to add that Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love it. You'll hear that.
1: With the transparency, though, how do you how do you avoid? What if they see? Okay, well, your printer's making say twenty dollars an hour, and another printer's making sixteen. Just say, and then he's like, oh, well, this guy's making twenty, he's making sixteen. So with the transparency there, it's a little bit difficult because. Now you still, you can't tell somebody what someone else is making as a business owner. That's kind of, because that, once that gets out, that's that's like blood in the water right there. So yeah. it becomes kind of hairy. Th- it's is- better just to give somebody a bonus and say, hey, listen, here's a few hundred. This is a bonus. You did a great job. All right, get the next one rather than sit there and say you give them 20% and then what if the job messes up? You know and, and to you don't make any like margins and then you've somewhere.
0: had to pay pay on it so all these questions are good questions that's why this is so difficult and you have to put time into analyzing what works best for difficult. your business yeah. it can be per order it can be revenue it can be margins but the point of all this is think about it what makes sense for your business what makes sense for those individual people and more than anything what do you want to incentivize what do you want to try to motivate and, and push your sales employees to do and once you have an understanding on that the the comp place picture falls into place. Real quick, I want to touch on measurement before we're at time. Um, What I'm finding is that most shops aren't metricing their their salespeople on daily activities and the work that they're doing, it's kind of, you know, they work and they get stuff done and they close business or they don't. Um, We know that activity, the amount of activity plus the effort that they put in is going to equal success and going to equal outcomes. And we also know that if there is structured metrics and KPIs, it's gonna make onboarding and and bringing new people on so much easier and getting them up to speed and up to productivity really, really, really easy. Um, And we we typically find that the KPIs that we create and the metrics for our salespeople aren't, they change, they're variable. Every quarter we should be updating them. Here's an example of some work that we did with, with Steven at Campus Inc. So for his inside sales, this customer support person that's fielding inbound opportunities, we looked at the number of, uh, IO is his CRM, so number of new opportunities that, that were created, as well as the, the number that converted to new orders. We looked at number of outbound dials that they were making through their call system. The average job size was pulled through Printavo. The number of reviews, outstanding proposals that they had, handoffs to Stephen if there was a really big opportunity, and then photos of the production process. And we had a weekly goal, so what is their, what is their focus and what are they trying to hit? And then also, week by week, The the customer success manager is plugging in their numbers and and showing what they did. And then every week in Stevens one-on-one with this individual, they're looking at this, reviewing metrics, reviewing numbers, talking about their week, what they did well, where they could improve on, et cetera. And it's the same thing for someone going outside and selling. That's more focused on visits, cold emails, uh, cold calls, actual telemarketing calls, to overall sales profit and average job size was the important metrics on that. But then it's let's look at the weekly goal. It's transparent. It's defined. They know if they're underperforming. You know if they're underperforming. And those, those performance conversations are, are much easier to have.
1: How is the sales incentive different for like a CSR? I have a employees here,
0: so this be a little awkward. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, but they're like veterans. and they've
1: been like more reactive. They're
0: not sure. So, so this this model is really that reactive inbound inbound opportunity. So, how many inbound calls come in? Uh, how many of those inbound opportunities actually convert to orders? That's an important metric to, to gauge uh, effectiveness. So
1: would you normally do like a percentage, like a like the gross margin percentage, or
0: would you do oh compensation for a CSR?
1: Yeah, the success of acquisition depends on how they
0: handle it. Yeah, I'm with you. My recommendation if they're an inbound, you know, account representative, customer success manager, they're they're not a variable pay, compensation, commission-based employee. If they want to make commissions, they should go out and sell and develop business. Maybe there's you want to incentivize them to them to have good good conversations and and convert that second number. So maybe there's year-end bonuses tied to that. But I wouldn't look at like order margin things specifically.
1: So we had that same issue, and with those metrics, there's dollars assigned to everything in the game. So if uh, she got over like 60 outbound calls, there's
0: just 10 more dollars for her, uh, or every positive review was 10 bucks. Uh, so he's spot bonusing based yeah. on those behaviors. So, like, Great. You know, how many good product photos she
1: got, like a very dollar per picture. And so it ended up being, I don't know, two, $300 a period. But, like, she was just playing the game in the yeah. system. And, and then, then the can have
0: so. quarterly goals. What the code you can do you could do the bonuses yeah. they Again, this is all, all back to what do you want to get out of it and what do you want to motivate? Uh, this is important discussions to have. Uh, my time's up. I'm happy to dive deeper into this stuff. I'm running a breakout at 2.30. Um, and then happy outside of that to talk strategy with any of you guys. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.